Good morning. This is the VBAC Link Podcast. We have me, Julie Frankham, and my co-host, Megan Heaton, owners of the VBAC Link Podcast, here with you today. And we are so excited because this is our 150th episode. 150. And I'm a little excited about that because I'm a numbers girl and I just spent a long time this past weekend updating all of our podcast episode numbers so that they would match because we changed how we number episodes, about 70 episodes in. And so I've been going through and making everything consistent. And to have our 150th episode feels so surreal. I I just kind of feel like... <laughs> Yesterday, I feels like I was talking to Megan and I'm like, hey, we should start a podcast. It's not going to be hard at all. I'm going to do a test recording and try and see. And it's not going like, to take like no time and we're and, and it'll be so easy. And then she's like, um, okay, but I think you're crazy. And I think you um, don't, I think you're underestimating how much time it's going to take, but I'm totally in. And I'm like, okay, okay, cool. Let's do this. And so I did a quick test run and upload it to a podcast hosting service. And then like, see, that took me like less than an hour. And well, now that we're doing full-blown episodes, it's a lot, <laughs> a lot more time consuming than I had expected it to be. But what a journey, Megan, what a journey. This 150 episodes, can you believe it? I know. It's been super fun. I'm uh, excited. I'm excited too. But do you know what I'm even more excited about? My review is... of the week? No. Oh. That too. <laughs> it's a good but, one. But I'm excited that we have Aubria with us because we have Aubria and Aubria, we met at our first birth, our first birthday party, the VBAC Link's first birthday party, right? Like all, over a year ago. And her mom and her mom is so awesome. She's mother-in-law though, right? Oh, mother-in-law. That's right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yep. She was there and she's a doula and she was doing Aubria and her other, all of her children and children-in-law and, and she's just a really incredible person. And so she Aubria, really is. Yeah. Aubria and Lena are just really incredible people. And I didn't even realize that Aubria is going to be our 150th episode until this very moment. So I'm really excited. <laughs> we should do something to celebrate. I don't know what we should do. I'm going to order cookies. Okay, Dash. you can order cookies. I'll order cookies <laughs> and celebrate. Anyways, but the second most thing I'm excited about is Megan reading a super awesome review of the week for us. Yeah, it's really sweet. And it's a long one, so we'll see if I can do it without stuttering. Oh, I have confidence. You've been doing pretty good. <laughs> I am not that great at reading. My, it's like my brain goes ahead of my mind or my eyes or something. But <laughs> this is from Apple Podcasts. And if you have Apple Podcasts, please do us an awesome favor and pause this episode right now and head over there and leave us a review. We would love it. And if you don't have Apple Podcasts, that's okay. You can find us on Facebook or Google. We would love to read your reviews on the next podcast. This one is from, it's, it's Erin39, and her topic is, or her subline is essential resource for any woman hoping for a VBAC. It says, I started listening to this podcast during my first trimester. In the very beginning phases of planning my VBAC, I was immediately hooked and binged all of the episodes. These amazing women gave me the confidence to find a supportive provider and reject my local hospital that the v, had a VBAC ban. Wow. Good job. That's hard. 
that is hard to do, like leave your hospital when, you know, especially with insurance and all that. Um, it says, I felt so empowered for every barrier that I encountered because of Julie and Megan. I felt empowered by the stories, facts, statistics, and mantras shared. Listening to these empowering stories made me confident in the ability to have the birth I hoped for. I am so happy to say that I was able to have my successful VBAC, and I feel that that my car doulas <laughs> were car doulas, Julie. Um, I really <laughs> like that title. That? <laughs> I feel that my car doulas were always listened. Um, where where I always listened was an integral part of my success. Thank you so much. Aww. I'm a car doula. I love that. Doula. Booyah. I would love to be a car doula. That's, um, awesome. that's so cool. Well, thank you so much, Erend39. Um, do you know what? Something else about reviews that people might not know is that when you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or you can like, like, like and favorite us on Spotify, I think Google Podcasts is revamping its system now for reviews but when you do that and even if you just drop a five-star review and don't even make any comments on it it lets apple podcasts know that what we're doing is helpful for people and in turn then it makes it easier for people to find us and for us to help more people as they prepare for their birth so if this has made a very big impact on you as you prepare for your own birth or if it's helped educate you as a birth worker then doing something so simple as going to google or facebook or apple podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and can leave a review dropping that review helps broaden our reach so if you like megan said can pause the podcast right now go drop us a quick review we would appreciate you from the very bottom of our hearts you are tuned in to the VBAC Link podcast with Julie Francom and Megan Heaton, VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. This episode is brought to you by Nourisher, formerly known as Milkful Nursing Bars. The company is rebranded and expanded to bring you new bars, new flavors to meet all of your needs throughout the motherhood journey. Nourisher products are made to nourish her. Each of the products are super nutrient dense while still being very tasty snack that moms can look forward to. Their delicious flavors include blueberry coconut, chocolate banana, maple walnut, papaya turmeric, spirulina ginger, and strawberry rosehip. Let's talk about flavor. My favorite guys, strawberry rosehip, hands down. Not only are these bars delicious and tasty, but they have amazing benefits for both you and your baby in the pre and postnatal stages. They increase your energy. They support tissue repair and brain building. They improve gut health with fiber, probiotics, and healthy fats. They give you a nutritional lift from sprouted grains and seeds that provide essential nutrients. 
They are packed with superfoods like turmeric, spirulina, and rosehip to support a healthy immune system and reduce inflammation throughout the pregnancy and postpartum stages. Go ahead and give Nourisher a try. That's N-O-U-R-I-S-H-E-R, Nourisher. You can get right to them by clicking the link in our show notes or going to the vbacklink.com slash go slash Nourisher. That's thevbacklink.com slash G-O slash N-O-U-R-I-S-H-E-R. Give them a try. You will not regret it. All right, Aubria, we absolutely love her story. We were both little teeny parts of it as her mother-in-law was supporting her from far away and updating us and I'm not going to tell the whole story because there's a lot of really really fun details but Aubrey has two boys she's from well she's grown up in Utah and Texas and currently she lives pretty close to us she lives between us actually and (laughs) we're really excited (laughs) to hear your story so Aubrey why don't you go ahead and share your birth stories with us Oh, hey, awesome. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for letting me share my story. So my little boy, Calvin, is now one years old, and he is my VBAC baby. I can't believe it's been a year already. <laughs> so I know I was going to say a year. Believe. Really? Yep. A year. <laughs> He's a year. A few weeks ago, he turned a year. Wow. So crazy. it's so crazy. So with him, with his pregnancy, um, because of the trauma that happened with my c-section i decided to do a low carb diet so with my first baby my little rory we had gestational diabetes and it was not discovered till i was 37 weeks and super swollen and big and he was super swollen and big and we thought there was a problem so that's why i had my c-section they thought it was an emergency that he had a condition called high drops which can cause heart failure if he goes through the birth canal he didn't end up having that, so, <laughs> but he did turn out to be really big. He was 11 pounds, 11 ounces when Whoa, he was born. Whoa, that's yeah. a big baby. He was really big, and I had gained about 80, 90 pounds during his pregnancy, and no one caught it. No one, none of the medical professionals went, hey, you're kind of gaining weight. <laughs> so I had no idea I had it, and then at 37 weeks, they're like, oh, we got to take that baby out, so... <laughs> It was pretty traumatic and uh, really last minute. And I knew the next time, and I had already done so much work. I had gone to hypnobirthing classes and talked to my mom, my mother-in-law who's a doula and my mom who had seven kids. And I was so ready to have a natural birth and have it all amazing. And it all went out the window, out the door in in like five minutes. (laughs) So that was pretty crazy. So with Calvin- It's so wild. So with Calvin, I was really determined to keep my weight down, his weight down, keep my sugars good. And so I was low carb. And as I did that and I was working with that, I heard about all of the like negative things about what could happen with a VBAC. And I was super getting nervous. And then my mother-in-law found the VBAC link and I got to meet Julie and Megan. And it was so cool because they their course was amazing. It taught her, it taught me. She bought the doula one. I bought the parents one and it taught my husband and it helped us gain like the confidence to like talk to our provider and see if he actually was feedback friendly and talk to our hospital. So these guys really know their stuff. (laughs) But 
as I was asking my doctor these questions about, hey, are you VBAC friendly? Will you let me do a VBAC? Like, what's your VBAC rate? And he was like, yeah, I let VBACs happen and all these things. And then as my pregnancy progressed farther and farther, he stopped, he started saying like, well, I don't know about VBACs and I don't know if I can support you in this. Like, I really want to. And I kind of got out of him that, like, cause he's a really friendly guy and he's a really good doctor. And I got out of him eventually with the questions I learned to ask from Julia Megan that he cannot induce me because if something happens, if he does that, like if I was to have a uterine rupture, he would not be able to be covered by his insurance if something happened to me. And so I was like, What? That exists still? Yeah. Okay. Like, and he's a family doctor and an OBGYN. Interesting. Offline, yeah. I'm going to have to find out who this is. I think I have an idea, but I just want to confirm. But I don't want to put Okay, that and that's not exactly what he, like, he kind of said that, but he was kind of like, I won't be covered if something happens right. to you. it won't cover, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I was like, oh, wow. And so he's like, I cannot induce you. But he was letting me go to 42 weeks, which was amazing because a lot of doctors don't do that. So he was letting me go to 42 weeks, but he wouldn't induce me. And my mom takes three days to labor on her own without Pitocin. So I was like, well, if I take after her, then I'm like doomed. <laughs> so last minute, like really last minute, it was, I was 38 weeks and I called our friend, family friend midwife. And I was like, Hey, would you do my birth for me? And I would do it at my mother-in-law's house. Cause that's where we were living. And she said, yes, I'd love to. And I was like, really? <laughs> Cause she doesn't really like she's still certified, but she doesn't practice on many people anymore. And so the fact that she was doing it for me was a really big deal. But so at 38 weeks, I, I switched providers and I didn't tell my doctor in case, cause I, I really liked to keep my options open cause I didn't know what would happen. So I didn't tell him, I just got a midwife and went to both of them for checkups until I went into labor. And if something happened, I'd have the hospital as an emergency, but if not, then I was going to have it at home, have my baby at home. So then I hit 40 weeks and I started having tightening and cramps. And I was like, yeah, my body's working. It's going to happen. A few weeks later, <laughs> nothing happens. My due date was August 9th and that came and went with nothing. Then on August 15th, so I'm 40, 41 weeks at this point. August 15th, I start, I I wake up at 1 a.m. and I actually have like really hard, steady contractions that are a few minutes apart. And I'm like, I think this is it. This is awesome. So I wait until like 5 a.m. and they don't stop. And I'm like, okay, I got to get my whole team together. My mother-in-law was out of town and she's my doula. She was out of town helping my sister-in-law. So I have my, I call my mom because she's also helped with birth, but she's not certified. And I had, I call my midwife and my husband, I wake him up and my father-in-law gets his room ready because that's where I was going to have the baby. And they set up the pool and nothing happens. Like at 9am on the dot, my contractions stop. And I was so confused. And so I had my midwife check me. I was 90% effaced. I was dilated to a six, but then it stayed there. So we tried everything to naturally induce. We tried sex. We tried the membrane sweep. We tried walking, being in different positions, checking if like getting the baby into a different position. We tried a few spitting babies um, moves because we figured he might be twisted a little. 
we tried blue and black cohosh, which is a herbal medicine under my tea, under my um, tongue. We tried mental and emotional fear releases and Julie can vouch for that because I, I was three days in and I was like, Julie, nothing's happening. And so she was like, make sure you do this emotional release and fear release and I'm sending good vibes out for you. And I was like, okay, thank you. And I was living with in-laws at the time and there was, there felt like to be some tension. So then I was like, maybe that's what it is. So we talked to everyone in the house and then found out they were all really supportive of me. So that helped. Um, we tried birth preps, we tried the, our birth prep su- supplement. We tried nipple stimulation. We tried pumping. And this is for days, nothing helped. But every day at 1 a.m., I'd start my contractions and then they'd stop at 9 a.m. every day. And then I'd have an 18 hour rest. So I'd be able to sleep in between, which was really nice. (laughs) But other than that, like nothing helped. I just had to wait. I was so determined to wait and let my body do what it needed to. And it was really hard, but it was good. And most people came to me and were like, you're like the queen of patience. Like, how do you do it? I'm like, I am determined to get my, let my body do it. I am not going in for another C-section because I know my body can do it. But by like day three or four, I was super discouraged. So I'm texting Julie and I'm like, hey, do you know of any people in our area that will induce a mom at 42 weeks? And she's, she actually connected me to a doctor and I got his number and they gave me an, gave me an appointment and um, I didn't actually have to go in because on my appointment was set for my 42 week mark. And the day before that, August 20th, I had my baby (laughs) and it's, it felt pretty much the same as any other, other days. This is my sixth day of prodromal labor but it did feel a little different. It was a bit, my contractions were a little stronger, but they were not much closer together. But my labor kept going after 9 a.m. and I was getting, it was getting more intense. And then it was getting closer and closer together. And then I got to a nine and I was so excited and I stayed at a nine for a few hours. And my midwife kept checking me and she realized I had like this cervical flap, right? Which I guess is like, where the baby's head's trying to open it up all the way and it can't quite get there. So she had to reach in and help me dilate to a 10 so that the baby could come through. Um, And I loved being in the birthing tub. It was my favorite. So I sat in the tub and did my breathing and relaxing. Then around like, I think it was two o'clock, he was finally in a good enough position that I could start pushing. And I thought because I had labored like my mom, I'd be like my mom. She, once, once she's ready to push, the baby's head's pretty much out. And I was like, that's totally going to be me. I'm only going to do one push and the baby's going to come out. And that's not what happened. <laughs> so I was pretty tight. And uh, even though the baby's head was through, like the baby's head was coming, it was going down on, and hitting the cervix. It was pretty, it was really hard for me to push. And I am sitting in the tub and my midwife's trying to tell me to push. And at this point they have my mother-in-law who's a doula on a video call and she's telling me I'm doing a good job and I'm breathing. And I, I think I was pushing for about an hour or two, which I know is short for some women, but for me, I, it was long because <laughs> it had been six days of labor before that. I was super worried because I was like, what if he won't fit? What if he's big like his brother? And I had this like 
final panic attack, like, oh no, what if it's not going to work and I'm going to have to go to the hospital? And my midwife, she just instinctively said, he's stuck in the canal, but he's not, well, she didn't say he's stuck in the canal. She said, he's in the birth canal and he can't stay there for much longer. You need to push harder. And I was like, I'm going to rip. I know I'm going to tear. I'm going to tear. I'm going to tear. It hurts because I was feeling a, a pain every time I would push and I was feeling pain on the sides, but I'm like, I'm going to tear if I push. She's like, I know, but you need to push. And so I was like, okay, that's it. I'm getting this baby out. And then I push as hard as I can. And he came out <laughs> and I was like, so floored that I had mm-hmm. done it. And uh, sorry, I'm really emotional. <laughs> oh no, I love it. It's okay. I was so floored that I had done it and my body did it and he did it and we did it together. And I was just sitting there holding him in the tub and my husband was behind me who had helped me the whole way. And it was so strange because I was all holding him and he's covered in vernix and I'm almost two weeks late. Well, huh. two weeks past due date, past right. estimation date. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, maybe he was early. Like, what if the, my due date was just totally off? Like, yeah. and we're rubbing him down. I'm holding him and later and like then my placenta was delivered just fine and like my husband kind of freaked out he was like not too freaked out but after the placenta came a ton of blood came and he was like what <laughs> uh, but we, I was fine I, I probably lost quite a bit of blood but it wasn't very bad but I was holding him rubbing him down and he was this perfect little ball of butter and because <laughs> that's Aww. what the vernix looked like yeah um, And uh, as my midwife was checking my placenta and checking him, she's like, no, he actually was late. Like he was showing more mature signs of like being able to bend in ways that early babies shouldn't. And he like had lines on his wrists and hands that he shouldn't have had if he was early. And my placenta started looking pitted. So it was late. So he was just covered in lots of protection. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought that was pretty cool that my body did that. Yes. And he turned out to be eight pounds and eight ounces. So he was much smaller nice. than my 11, 11 baby. <laughs> yes. That, but by you a know, lot. 11, by 11, a lot. And eight, eight. That's yep. Cool. And, oh, yeah. And when, I was, when I was born, I was seven, seven. I guess no. I like the double numbers. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> Isn't that awesome. funny? Yeah. yeah. That's so funny. And so after that, I was just holding my baby and I actually got to breastfeed him which my first one I couldn't so it was very healing for me all the things that I got to do with my second that I did get to do with my first and I did I did wind up tearing but it was just a first degree tear oh that's not bad yeah it wasn't bad at all she didn't have any numbing though so she had to stitch me up right then and I was just holding my baby like any pain is fine (laughs) yeah (laughs) and I healed very well and he grew very well, but then I guess I, I have time to tell this part. My, as I healed and got better, I, it, I learned that just because you have a VBAC doesn't mean you don't have healing to do. <laughs> because right. even though I only had a first degree tear, I healed so tightly that I was, I felt I was in more pain than I was like before marriage. Like I couldn't have intercourse without pain. So, and I was like, well, maybe it's just too late, too short to like tell if I'm really healed or not. 
And then six months later, I'm like, um, I should be better by now. And later I found out eight weeks later, I should have gone and got help. <laughs> so yeah. don't wait six months like me. But then I contacted Julie and Megan again. And I was like, hey, who's that pelvic floor specialist you guys talked about? I really need to talk to her because my, I went to a different OB that was more specialized. And he's like, well, I don't know what to say. Just do all these exercises and we'll see what happens. And I'm like, that doesn't sound right. So I went to see um, Valerie Schwalbe. Yes. <laughs> she's amazing. And she has a new, um, a new uh, physical therapist at her office named Caitlin. And they're both awesome. And they helped me relax and get stretched and, and do proper exercises for my body. And now I'm in no pain at all. And so. Amazing. Awesome. So cool. So that's what I did. Plug in for pelvic floor specialist. I know. It's so true. They're amazing. And she's helping me figure out things that I've had for years, like back problems that I didn't connect to pelvic floor. Mm -hmm. So it's been so cool. So she helped me heal and stretch out my scar. And overall, I was very empowered and I learned a lot. And I, I listened to my instincts that I didn't know I had. And my body was able to do it, and I got the V back that I wanted. I love it. I love that. So proud so of you. I'm yeah. so proud of you. <laughs> well, it's hard to go through that much labor. Like with my fourth baby, whenever someone asks like how long my labors were, I'm like, okay, let's see. My first was like um, a day, and my second was like 23 hours, but maybe 12 hours, and then my third was 15 hours and then my fourth was 24 days <laughs> like, oh. because prodromal labor right every night just like you every night like after dinner as the kids were getting settled into bed I would yeah. start contractions they would be regular I would get in the tub they would keep going I would get out of the tub I'd go to bed and then around midnight or so they would fizzle out every night for 24 days oh, and it wasn't a position days. issue like usually like prodromal labor you're like okay usually positional hydration we're thinking nutrition things like that usually um help tone prodromal labor down but um i was doing, seeing a chiropractor i was drinking plenty of water taking regular magnesium baths like epsom salt baths and, and oh yeah and, and all i did the chiropractor things, right? too yeah yeah and yeah. so i'm like I don't know. I mean, like by the time I realized it was really labor, then my labor was only four hours long. But if you count all the virtual labor, like leading up to that, it was maybe um, like a month, 11 hours long. But if you count all the prodromal labor, then it's 24 days. Like, I just don't know. I'm like, I don't know. She flew out. I don't know minutes. how to count like, it either. I, just, I thought it was real labor, but it maybe it wasn't. And like, yeah. how do you even, I just, I don't know. She just, she's here and that's what matters. So, okay. <laughs> so I want to talk. I've been writing a very, 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 very long blog, very, very, very long blog, and it's published right now. It's actually called VBAC Stories, and it's um, on our blog, and it's longer summaries of some of our favorite podcast episodes, and it's taking me quite some time to compile, first of all, choose <laughs> the episodes, <laughs> and second of all, remember that enough details to write them out and then just kind of align and link everything and get all the images right. Like it's just, it's been very, very time consuming. But along my way, I have found, I found this quote that popped into my head while you were telling your story. And so I'm going to, we're going to talk about providers that are expert in the type of birth that you want, because um, this quote is actually by Laurelyn Curtis, who is a local 
a hypnobirthing instructor. She created her own method of hypnobirthing. It's called the Curtis method. And she's pretty, pretty powerful force in our community here. And I found this quote from her and one day I'm going to make a social media post and, or maybe even write a blog about it. I don't, I don't know exactly, but it's very, very inspiring. It kind of speaks exactly to what Megan and I have said about VBAC providers, like finding a provider that that's good at VBACs, that likes VBACs, that does VBACs a lot. So I'm just going to go ahead and read the quote because she says it better than I think Megan and I have ever said it. And um, this is what the quote is. She says, if there's one thing you can do right now to ensure your best birth experience, it's this. Choose a care provider who is an expert in the type of birth you are planning. If you're planning a safe, skilled cesarean birth, you should hire someone who is an expert at cesarean sections. You wouldn't hire a doctor to perform that procedure who said, well, actually, I'm not really comfortable with that type of birth, but I'll let you do it if you want, I suppose. But if you're planning a safe, natural, unmedicated birth, you should hire someone who is an expert at supporting natural birth. A doctor with a 30% C-section rate is not a natural birth expert. Neither is a doctor who does routine episiotomies or doesn't understand how to catch a baby unless mom is lying on her back. A doctor who says, well, most of my patients do end up getting an epidural, but if you want to go natural, you can do that, is not an expert in unmedicated birth. When you find the right care provider, they will understand your birth plan before you even show it to them because it's what they already do every day. Goosebumps, right? I have goosebumps wow. right now. Wow, yeah. that's really cool. It's impactful. Yeah. That yes. statement, Laura Lynn, like, I'm, I'm, this is going to be somewhere on our social media sometime because of how powerful it is. And the same thing, you could replace the word unmedicated with, with, with VBAC or with out of hospital birth. Because again, as I was writing this long forever blog, I've stumbled across a lot of actually really cool things. And one of them is about, was about home birth and home birth. A lot of OBGYNs in hospitals are, are, don't support home birth. They don't know how to support home birth. And so they, they, they think it's bad. They think it's dangerous and they think it's not safe. And so if you want to find out about home birth, don't talk to an OBGYN who doesn't, isn't skilled in home birth. You would talk to a home birth midwife who is trained, skilled, and prepared in home birth and to handle all of the unknowns that come up when you're in a home birth location, just like you wouldn't ask a midwife about how to birth in a hospital or what hospital birth is like. It's really interesting because on our Instagram page a few days back there, we uh, Megan had just wrote a blog about feedbacking with an epidural. And there was a person who, who said she was a midwife, still yet to be determined whether that's accurate or not. But the midwife said that getting epidural is a selfish decision. And if you cared about your baby, you wouldn't get an epidural. And I'm like, yeah, but first of all, that statement's completely false. Because there's so many other things that go into deciding whether to get an epidural or not. And there's risks and benefits to everything, right? But it really made me sad because how would she know, right? Like she's a, she's a out-of-hospital midwife, but she's not an expert in epidurals. She doesn't see them or do them every day. And so how can she make a blank, blanket statement like that applying to every single person who's ever had an epidural? 
Yeah. And it's the same thing, vice versa with, with in hospital providers. You, you wouldn't want, you, you don't go to a, what is it? What is the saying, Megan? Don't go to a brick maker. I've never heard this. Wait, hold on. Um, it's, <laughs> you don't go to a brick maker for advice about diamonds, right? Because they don't know about diamonds. They make bricks. They don't make diamonds. Well, I guess nobody makes diamonds, but I mean, I guess you can make diamonds, but you don't go to a brick maker to ask diamond advice. And so don't go to a home hospital midwife to ask about home birth advice. Don't go to a provider who has a high cesarean rate and ask them about VBAC. You need to find a provider that's the expert in your type of birth. Just like, and it's the same thing with doulas. It's really funny. I think Megan and I may, may have talked about this sometimes, but I've talked about it with a few other doulas. Like when I have a client that wants an unmedicated VBAC, I already know all of the things that they're going to want. And I already know all of the things that are going to be important to them because that's the type of clientele that I always support. If you want a natural birth, if you want an unmedicated hospital birth, I know already exactly what your plans are. I know what you're, what's, what you're going to face based on what hospital you choose. If you want home birth, we already know what your preferences are because they're very, very similar for people wanting that particular type of birth. Right, Megan? It's all pretty much the same. Yeah. And so hire your provider that feels like that, that knows that you're going to want that immediate skin to skin because it's so important to you because you lost it last time when your baby was, was taken from you by cesarean. We know that you want breastfeeding right away. We know that even if you want a cesarean, you want things to be different. You want to feel like you're in control and you want to make choices. We already know that you want to go as long as possible without getting the epidural if you don't want to go unmedicated. We already know all of those things because we do and support all of those things all the time. Anyways, so that's my tangent about expert provider. So as you VBAC, hire a provider that is an expert in VBACs because they do them all the time. Don't go to a provider that's known as the quilter because of his expert stitching <laughs> I mean hypothetically. well and I just think higher provider that you trust wants the, the same thing you want for your birth right like yeah. they want what you want and they want to help you in every way so yep yeah agree 100% obviously <laughs> all right Avria thanks so much it was so fun to listen to you tell the story because while we were communicating in it, I don't think I've ever heard like the full thing. So it's really yeah, fun. Thank you. And we always love having people that we know on the podcast as well. So <laughs> your picture is beautiful. If you guys want to know more about finding a VBAC supportive provider, head on over to our blog, thevbacklink.com slash blog. And just in the search bar type, I don't know what to type. Oh my gosh, my mind just went blank. Oh, three things you need to know about your VBAC provider and the blog will pop right up for you. If not, you can find it in our show notes. We'll have a link right there to it. And if you want to know exactly what Aubrey is talking about in our parent and doula courses, we're going to have links to those courses in the show notes as well. So you can check them out. And they're also on our page, thevbaclink.com under the tab called courses. So head on over to our Instagram page and our Facebook pages today. Find Aubrey's post and tell us what your favorite part about her story was. And look at this gorgeous picture of her holding her feedback baby. It's a really, really cool picture. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Head over to the slash share and submit your story. 
For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to thevbaclink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.